Uh, my name's Lou. I'm one of the pastors here at The Journey. I want to welcome you, all of you here and all of you who are watching virtually. Um, glad we can be together, however it happens. So it's, uh, as Tom alluded, we're six months into COVID time now. And it feels like it's changed almost everything about how we manage our day-to-day -day lives. Six months in so far with no clear end in sight. And a lot of us feel unsettled. The things we used to anchor our lives on, they're just not there. And then the fissures and the frailties, the brokenness, the inequities of our common life, they, they've been exposed. And the most vulnerable among us have suffered the most. We feel like we've lost our footing, that we're stumbling and falling, and we don't know what to do. So COVID-19 is no longer just an event. It has become a toxic state of mind that is taking its toll in our bodies, our hearts, and our souls. But what we're feeling is not unique. That's the way the Israelites felt. Moses had led them out of slavery in Egypt. They were on the road to the promised land, but the road was through the wilderness, and the wilderness journey was hard. COVID-19 is our journey through the wilderness story. Like Israel in the wilderness, as COVID has dragged on, we've become exhausted, prone to anxiety, anger. We feel lost and alone. But we're not alone. That's the point. Israel was not alone. God was with them, and God is with us. We're now in the ninth week of our series on the names of God. And as Tom said, we'll be talking about Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is our banner today. He is the Lord, the fatherly, love-motivated, promise-keeping, ever-faithful God who extends his protection over us, who fights for us and defends us. He was with Israel in the wilderness and, and brought Israel through. And he's with us and will bring us through our wilderness too. So turn with me now to Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 16. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 16. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, 
they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites, the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So Moses leads the people out of slavery in Egypt. He's on the road to the promised land, but they go through the wilderness. And as the wilderness journey drags on, the people of Israel become exhausted. They become weary of wandering, weary of facing what seemed like an unending stream of challenges where they felt helpless and out of control. They grew weary of having to trust Moses, a man they barely knew, and of trusting God, who was still more the God of their ancestors than their God. In the wilderness, in the face of their obvious lack of control, the Israelites became anxious. They became angry. They became prone to self-pity. They began to grumble and complain. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you, Moses and Aaron, have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. This is from Exodus 16.3. Or from Exodus 17.2. They quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. In Exodus 17.7, they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? And in the midst of all that, out of the blue, the Amalekites staged the first of what will be many attacks coming over hundreds of years on Israel. The Bible portrays them as relentless enemies of Israel. And in Deuteronomy 25, verses 17 to 19, Moses, referring to this Amalekite, this first Amalekite attack, recorded that, here in Exodus, he tells Israel, remember what they did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out. They met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. Let me say that again. They attacked all of you who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God of God. When the Lord gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land he has given you to possess as an inheritance, you shall blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. Let me highlight three things about this attack. 
First, it was an unprovoked attack against the Israelites. The Amalekites saw them as worn out, weary, and said, they're vulnerable, let's get them. And second, they attacked those who were lagging behind, the ones who were most vulnerable, that's the old, the sick, women and children. There was no mercy, no justice in the attack. And they did it ultimately because they had no fear of Israel's God. Our God is stronger than your God. So the attack comes. Now, the attack came and the attack failed. So how was this battle won? Well, one, Moses carried the staff of God. And that staff had become a symbol of God's presence and authority. When Moses carried that staff, it was the declaration that this was God's battle, not just Moses' battle. Moses had done great things using the staff of God, and it was God actually doing them through Moses. But think about this. What was this staff? For 40 years, Moses used a staff or something like it to shepherd sheep in Midian. That staff was just a stick. It was a stick. But then that simple stick in the service of God became the the channel of something mighty, the channel of the very power and purpose of God. So think about this. What if your stick, what are your sticks, the things you use every day? What do you have? Time, talents, resource, money, homes, careers, relationships, tools. What do you have that if surrendered to God and his purposes, God could use to do something mighty. Think about that this week. So one, Moses carried the staff of God. Two, Moses stood on the hill, stood on top of the hill. He was visible. He was standing as God's representative, as the expression of God's presence, power, protection, and provision for his people. He was standing as God's visible Moses, because of that, was standing as God's visible representative. That's what we're called to do, stand as God's visible representatives on this earth. We're called, as Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, to be like a city set on a hill, a city that can be seen. The people of God are God's city set on a hill, to be visible, to be seen, so that God's glory and goodness and light and life can be seen. And third, Moses lifted up his hands. And when Moses' hands were up, Israel prevailed. When he dropped them, Amalek prevailed, we're told. Now, so Moses lifted up his hand. Why? Was he praying? Well, probably. Often hands lifted up is a sign of a person praying. It's a posture of prayer and of worship. But here's the thing. 
you don't need to raise up your hands to pray. So what was Moses doing? I think he was praying, but he was also giving a very tangible demonstration that God was fighting on Israel's side. And he was showing that Israel must be totally dependent upon their God. He was making clear that God was the one responsible for the victory. And that gave courage. When Moses' hands were up, it gave courage to Joshua and his troops fighting in the plains below. And as the battle progressed, when the Amalekites saw Moses' hands up, it indicated that Moses' God, Israel's God, was greater than their God. So how do we acknowledge our total dependence on the Lord? Maybe with hands lifted up, but there's a lot of ways that we need to acknowledge to ourselves and to the world around us that we are totally dependent on the Lord by the way we live our lives, our visible lives before the world, and our interior lives just before God himself. How do we demonstrate our total dependence on him? And then fourth thing, Moses did not fight alone. See, here's the thing. One of the questions to think about is why did Moses have to fight at all? God had done all kinds of things. He brought plagues against Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He didn't need Moses to do anything. But he called Moses into this battle. And then he called others to join Moses in that battle. God wants his people to be involved in what he's doing. And he wants us to be involved in what he's doing together. So in this battle, each person had a role. Joshua's, Joshua's role was to lead the battle. The troops were to fight the battle. Moses was supposed to stand on the mountain with his hands up. Aaron and her were to help him keep his hands up people working together under the Lord's banner. We're the body of Christ. Christ has given his followers gifts and talents and abilities that we're to use together to accomplish God's purposes. We partner with God in what he's doing in the world. That's a beautiful thing, that God brings us into what he's doing. Just like a father calls his children says, you help me with this. Not because the father or mother need, a help, need help. It's because they want to include them in the family life. Now, I want to talk about this battle some more. In the Bible, the Amalekites represent God's enemies. They're a symbol of the powers of darkness, destruction, and war against God's rule, against God's kingdom. So the attack on God's people is one battle. It's part of a bigger picture. It's an early manifestation of, of a more grander, more basic battle. One that comes to, to a head on the cross and the empty tomb. It meets the, the, this grand battle met, meets its initial defeat at the empty tomb will meet its final defeat when, at the return of Christ. That tells us some things tells us ultimately that our battles aren't against people. 
They're against spiritual entities, and they've been defeated already. The principalities and powers have been defeated already, but the battle does still reign. And so we, when we fight this battle, we need to use God's weapons. Prayer, which is a way we express our dependence of God. It's scripture, which gives us truth and wisdom and guidance and direction. We're called to fight this battle by bringing love into action, paying attention to the needs around us, volunteering with things, things like volunteering with Meals on Wheels, distributing masks and other PE gear to others, checking in on our neighbors, all that stuff that you're already doing. So thank you for that. And then there's this thing about being under the Lord's banner. What's a banner? When we think of a banner, we tend to think of something like a, a flag. You know, a flag is a banner, a flag of a country. A banner could be the pennant of, of, a, of your school or of a team, your favorite team, Red Sox, Patriots. We tend to think of something with fabric, but a banner can be anything. In Moses' case, the banner he was lifting up was a staff of God, wood, a stick. Now, a banner is something that identifies and unifies a particular group of people. For armies, a banner served as a rallying point and a rallying cry. The banner over soldiers marked and distinguished them. It told onlookers who the troops represented, who they were fighting for, what they stood for, who they were fighting with. When the Israelites say, the Lord is my banner, it was a way of identifying themselves as the unified followers of Yahweh. So what does it mean when we say that the Lord is our banner? When Moses says, the Lord is my banner, he's saying, I pledge my allegiance to Yahweh. I pledge my allegiance to Yahweh. He's telling the people of Israel, Yahweh is our identity. We belong to him. We are under his authority. His priorities are our authorities. His cause, our God cause. His values, our values. We will follow him. We will fight under him. We will fight for him. Likewise, when we invoke the Lord as our banner, we pledge our allegiance to him above all others. For Christ followers, allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom takes absolute precedence over every earthly government, every earthly institution, every earthly power, authority, party, and cause. And we make our allegiance to Jesus in alignment with his character and commands and priorities and purpose. We make it visible, public, obvious, and unmistakable. God is our banner. We live to celebrate and honor his faithfulness to him. God is our banner because we remember all that he's done for us and all that he sent to us through his word. He's our banner because he gives us identity. He labels us as God, as his children. God is our banner because we are his representatives in the world. It's been said many times that our COVID-19 pandemic 
is a generation-shaping event. We will not go back to what we were, to how we used to do things. The book of Exodus is about a generation-shaping event as well for the Israelites. It's about how the Lord took his people, his people who have been shaped by generations of oppression, suffering, and trauma, took them out of slavery in Egypt and reshaped their identity, their vision, their purpose, their hope for their lives. It's about how he won their trust, established covenant with, covenant with them as a people, as a people, made them his people. And as the Israelites went, on their, went through the wilderness, they grew weary, they began to long for the past. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you, Moses and Aaron, have brought us out into this desert to starve us, to starve our entire assembly to death. They began to long for the past, even though the past was not that great. They wanted to return to what they were used to, get back to their old lives, even though in their heart of hearts they knew that there was a lot that was not good about their old lives. But God didn't take them out of slavery in Egypt simply to recreate their past. No, things were not going to go back to normal, their normal. Something new emerged. God had something new for them, something better. Their sense of who God was and how they related to God's change. He became intimate. He became personal. He became their God in a much deeper way than they had ever experienced before. They became a people, not just a conglomeration of tribes, a unified people under God's leadership. And they flourished, at least for a while, as a nation under God. We will not go back to life or church as it was six months ago. We won't. But the Lord is our banner. He will keep fighting for us. As with Israel, we have the opportunity to enter a new season of life in the presence of God. A new season of life in the profound presence of God. We have the opportunity to walk with God in building a new and better world where God's justice, righteousness, peace, hope, and opportunity is made available to all. We have the opportunity to become more fully God's people, loving what God loves, loving who God loves, loving as God loves. That's our spiritual battle in this world, in this time. To love as God loves. That's the banner under which we live and serve. So let's not cling to the past and resist this new thing that God has planned for us. The Israelites asked the question, is God with us or not? The battle against the Amalekites answered that question in an emphatic way. Yes, the Lord is with us. The Lord is our victory. The Lord is our banner. Both this pandemic we're facing, the murders of George Floyd 
and Ahmad Arbery and so many others have exposed the failures, the vulnerabilities, the injustice, the inequities, the divisions of our culture. I do not believe that God caused this COVID virus. And I certainly don't believe that God is the cause of the evil injustice of our society. What I do believe is that God will not waste this time. He will use it to show his character and bring about his redemption. He will bring forth good out of this evil and trauma. Israel emerged from their wilderness journey a different people. So here's my one big question for us all. Given that the Lord is our banner, he's the one who loves us, shelters us, fights for us all. Given that the Lord is our banner, given all that the Lord is, and all that our world currently is, what does the Lord want for his people? What does he want for us? What does he want for us to be and to do? How does he want us to display his banner, to reflect his character? That's our big question. What new redempting thing does the Lord want to bring about in our time? May we gather under his banner this day, put on his identity, take up his cause until he returns and gathers us from every tribe and tongue and language and nation into the new thing he's creating, a restored creation. May it be so. Let's pray.